0: senses to where you want us to go what you want us to do oh father we trust you today and we love you and we pray that you would move in this service this morning thank you for what you're getting ready to do in jesus name amen Pretty Cool. but anyway isn't not god's love better than life it, uh, isn't he good he is let's sing about it here we go To school and uh, went to Sunday school and you know it, clap your hands. Good job, man. The visitor's class was blown away. Keener was going, they keep coming in. Bring them in from the fields of sin. And it just kept filling up. What a blessing, man. Thank y'all for being here today. Looking forward to what God's going to do. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Concord. We are happy that you guys are here with us. Fill out the little form. Put it in the offering plate later on so we can have a record of your visit. Uh, This is a neat and exciting place, and we're glad you're here to share in this hour with us. All right, home folks, attack somebody. Tell them it's good to see them at Concord this morning. Do it right now.
1: This is what I've learned this past week. Just a verse that the Lord's put on my heart. It says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him and live. You know what the Bible says? It's a unique picture. The Bible says that God's ear is actually inclined to you and I. It gives us the imagery of God actually leaning over the balcony of heaven, kind of cupping his ear like this, waiting for us to speak to him. Isn't that a great picture? And this morning, the Lord desires for you to speak to him, and I want you to speak to him specifically about a few things. Number one, on January the 31st, we're going to have a church-wide visitation. We're all going to meet together, and we're going to go out and visit some people who have been visiting our congregation who are prospects. Some of them don't know the Lord Jesus. Some of them need a church family, and I've got a whole stack of them up here. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We did it in our first service. went really well. We're just going to spread these out on the front, And there's people from Claremont, there's people from North and Helen, there's people all over, Gainesville, people all over the place who've been visiting our congregation. And I want us to spend time praying for them this morning. So let's just do that. If you can come down here in the altar, find your place right here. Go ahead, y'all move right now. Some of you come on down here. We're going to spend a time of prayer in this particular time of the service and really lift these people up to the Lord, asking God to save them and bring them to salvation. So if you're physically able, you find your spot down here this morning. And let's bow our heads together. The Heavenly Father, these individuals have come into this church. God, there are prospects here who need to be saved. Some of them just looking for a church home. Father, I pray that you break our heart for what breaks yours. And I'm overwhelmed this morning, Lord, that you are cupping your ear listening to our prayers. And because of that, we love you. And because of that, we are confident that you not only hear our prayers, but you also answer them. So, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these individuals who are represented here today, God, I pray if they don't know you personally, that through our prayers, you would plow up their hearts. You would soften them so that they might be ready to receive the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. Then, God, we pray specifically for the 31st as we gather together as a church family to go visit some 40 families and possibly even more. God, I just pray that you would use us as your instruments to declare your excellent mercies. And, God, I pray that you would use us to share the good news of the gospel, that people might come to know you personally. They might be eternally changed. And, Father God, the reality is you have given us a divine responsibility, and that is to make disciples. God, you've also given us a divine enabler, and that is the Spirit of God. So we trust you wholeheartedly to use us so that we might advance the kingdom of light and that lives might be changed. Now, Father, in our own hearts, we have come to worship you. We have come to hear from heaven. So Lord, in the same sense that that scripture says that you have placed your hand over your ear and you are inclined to hear us, God, I pray that our spiritual ears will be inclined to hear from you. God, we're gonna give you this time. We're gonna give you these people. Lord, we know the success is in the sharing. God, you're the one that saves. So we're gonna trust you to do the saving. And even this morning, Lord, there may be people here who don't know you personally. They've heard the gospel before, but they've rejected it. They have yet to respond by faith. God, bring them to salvation. Redeem someone this morning that all of heaven might celebrate as well as us. And we'll give you glory for him. And again, we thank you for our time together to worship. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. And all God's people said, amen.
0: Who can satisfy? my soul like you and who on earth Place today, Father, don't we praise him in this place today. And all God's people said, amen. Pastor.
1: First Peter chapter one in your Bibles, forgive our technical difficulties. I think I maybe I'm sucking the energy out of this thing. I don't know, but um, I had it on. I thought when I walked up, maybe I'm wrong, but you've got a Bible. First Peter chapter one, we're going to look at verse 22, and then we're also going to look at chapter two, Through verse 3. So stand in honor, if you will, in reading of God's Word as we continue our series when life isn't fair. Look, if you're visiting with us here this morning, we're so grateful that you're here. Our visitor class was jam-packed, and we'd encourage you to be there next Sunday. Um, They actually meet just outside that exit door in the music suite, and they'd love to have your presence. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. The Bible says, "...since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren." Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, chapter 2, putting aside all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander... Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And our God, we are once again thankful to hear from heaven. God, we open up our hearts, pray that you would make us pliable, transform us into the image of your son, make us more like Jesus as a result of our time together than we were when we entered into this building. Pray for the salvation of souls. Pray for the sanctification of your people, and God help us to receive the word and to put it into practice, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Well, it was November the 14th, 1970, at 7.35 p.m., when tragedy struck the town of Huntington, West Virginia. Southern Airways, flight number 932, crashed into a hill just short of the Tri-State Airport, killing 75 people on board. Among the wreckage were 37 members of the Marshall University Thundering Herd football team. There were eight members of the coaching staff and 25 boosters of the school. And in only a second, 70 people who held great prominence at Marshall University lost their lives. Now, in the midst of this tragedy, the school board stood on the verge of canceling the entire football program. They felt it would be best to give up the program at that time so the town could take a collective breath and decide whether or not the football program should be reinstated. However, the three remaining varsity players who were not on the plane had a never give up mentality. And they led a grassroots campaign started by these football players, which inspired an entire school. In 2006, the true story of Marshall University was put on DVD. As the school board met to vote on canceling the program, the meeting was interrupted by a varsity player by the name of Nate Ruffin. They asked him if he had anything to say, to which he responded, I don't, but they do. He motioned over to the window overlooking Marshall University's campus, And to the shock of the entire board, the majority of the students were actually standing there in silence looking up at them. And Nate Ruffin held up one hand to lead the charge of the student body. And the students began to shout in unison, we are Marshall, we are Marshall. You know, in the midst of the greatest trial in the university's history, their passion for Marshall kept them from giving up. You know, Peter's writing to a group of followers of Jesus Christ who are facing great trials. Some of them was on, are on the verge of literally giving up. Some of the new converts were contemplating going back to their old lifestyle and living the way they used to live. They're beginning to respond to their trials like they would have before they met the Lord. And Peter knew this. Therefore, like Nate Ruffin at Marshall University He stands boldly in chapter one and following and leads the charge as if to rally the entire New Testament body to begin to shout, we are Christian, we are Christian. You know, Peter's never give up attitude leads the charge for you and I to not go back to our old way of life before we came to faith in Jesus Christ, but rather you and I are to take advantage of God's grace gifts to us. And this morning, we wanna look at some of those grace gifts. So what are the gifts that God has given us that we can take advantage of as we rally together through our trials? There are three major things I want you to see. First, we need to take advantage of our new family. We need to take advantage of our new family. Look at your Bible, verse 22. You got it there? Say amen. The scripture says, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Now, Peter reminded us how God in Christ redeemed us and brought us to himself. He also reminds us that we have the honor of calling God our Father. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Now, reality is some of you have come to church this morning and you have not responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've Heard what Jesus has done for you, but you have turned your attention away from it. You have ignored it. Well, the Bible says that your daddy is actually the devil. But whenever you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you actually get adopted into a new family. And then your daddy becomes God. And there are some of you who came here this morning, your daddy was the devil. I pray before you leave, your daddy is the Lord. And God can do that by His grace. Now, Peter's saying in verse 22 that at the moment you obeyed the truth, that is the gospel of our Lord, you were forgiven of your sin and brought into the family of God. Look at the pastor for just a moment. Before I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I had the condemnation of God looming over my life. I deserved death and hell. But when I responded to the gospel through obedience, that is faith and repentance, immediately God wiped away the condemnation that was looming over my life. Because Jesus became a curse for me, therefore, I am blessed now in the resurrected Lord. However, Peter doesn't leave it at that. He gives us the imagery of something that happened to our souls the moment we believed. Our souls were purified for a purpose. Our souls were purified for the purpose of sincere love for the brethren. Now, the word for love Peter uses at first in verse 22 is the word phileo. It speaks of a brother or sister kind of love. That's what you and I are when we came to faith in Jesus Christ. We became brothers and sisters in the Lord. So as I look out at this particular group, uh, those of you who know the Lord, because I know the Lord, you and I have the same daddy. So spiritually, you are my brother or you are my (laughs) sister. But anyway, that's what you are. I didn't know how to fix that. All right, that makes sense. And it's pretty interesting. You know, I've been to a reality is I'm not related by blood to any of you. Well, maybe I should take that back. Maybe I am related by blood because of Jesus shed blood. But I'm not related to you physically, but spiritually. You and I are part of the same exact family. (laughs) And I find it pretty awesome. We can call each other brother and sister. And so the Bible not only goes from there, Peter magnifies the love that we have for one another. Remember, he talks about the new family here, this family love between brother and sister. And he goes on now and he says in verse 22, you need to fervently love one another from the heart. Now this time, Peter doesn't use the word phileo to describe love. But instead, he uses the word agape to describe love. Agape love is unconditional love. Agape love cannot be expressed by an unbeliever. Because agape love is God's kind of love. It is unconditional. And you and I cannot, as believers, express agape love among one another unless we are filled with the Spirit of God. But the Bible says that God the Father has poured out His agape, unconditional love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, God has given us every single thing we need to do exactly what He's called us to do. And He tells you and I that we ought to fervently love one another with no strings attached. Now, let's be honest here for just a moment. How many of you know that there are some sisters and there are some brothers in Christ who are difficult to love? Do y'all know that? just slip a hand up don't point at anybody but uh yeah you you do know that right and what the reality is is that God has gifted us with the supernatural capability to love one another you know there have been people in the past that I went to church with not here but uh they were difficult to love so you know what I had to do before I knew I was going to run into them I'd see them in the hallway so I literally before I would go to church I would pray God in heaven I cannot love this person. I don't even like them, to be honest with you, Lord. But I need you when I get to church to just fill me up. I mean, take control of my life and love them through me. And you know what I found? God was always faithful to that particular prayer request. And the Bible says that we fervently love one another. Now, that word fervently is a phenomenal word. I'm going to unpack it. He actually uses it again in chapter 4. But let me just kind of unpack it for a moment just so we can get a good picture of what he's talking about here. He says, in the context of the family of God, we are to fervently love one another. That is, with an all-out manner, we ought to fully stretch ourselves out and reach out to one another in love. It gives the imagery of a horse that is in full gallop. did not you see that? You know, I had the opportunity to go to Lake Placid uh, to see the Ironman competition. I wasn't in it, although, I mean, I know that shocks y'all. But... um, I did go to it, and I had the great privilege of going to the finish line and seeing everyone run into the stadium at the very end of the race. Now, what's unique about the Iron Man is that they pull the tape out for every single person who crosses the finish line. So as soon as one person would cross, they'd pull a new tape out. So everybody gets the feeling of crossing the line. And they even say over the loudspeaker, if it were I that was running, they would have said, Here comes Levi skipper. And then they would say, You are an Iron Man. And then typically they fall over because they're dead. But anyway, so (laughs) it's pretty interesting, though. Here's what I noticed, though. Whenever they're running in the race and they're getting towards the finish line, they literally, they stretch themselves out just to break the tape, just like this, just getting over everything they've got. Peter says, that's how you and I ought to love each other. Every single thing we've got, we ought to stretch ourselves out to love. <laughs> Can I give you a good, a good analogy of it? It happened this morning uh, in a Sunday school class, which if you had not got in one yet, the challenge is still there. You need to get in one. But there's a Sunday school class. We've got an individual in our church who's broken their ankle. And uh, she has uh, basically an appointment in Atlanta tomorrow morning very early. So the Sunday school class was praying for her and her husband. And then out of, listen, out of stretching themselves out, they took a cup and passed it around and took up an offering so that they could pay for a hotel room for them to stay in tonight so they wouldn't have to drive early in the morning. What in the world is that? That's called love. Love. And listen, you'll get that experience when you get involved in a small group Sunday school class. I'm just telling you, it happens there. And uh, just so I can remind you, you probably won't get it in here. (laughs) Are y'all all right? I mean, you probably won't because you'll come in here, you'll shake a few hands, sit down, listen to some good singing, listen to some poor preaching, and then once it's all over with, you'll just get in your car and go home. And here's what I found. When people do that, they'll get around the dinner table and say, well, that church just isn't very friendly. Here's a thought. Maybe you aren't. (laughs) Let me, uh, y'all, I'm going to come back here. I feel like I should play. (laughs) That's why I need to stick to my notes here. But you, you Here's what happens though. Whenever you get serious about your relationship with the Lord and you're growing in your faith, you want to stretch yourself out for people. So somebody says, you mean there's a group that I can minister to in Sunday school? Sure is. Where's the finish line? And we get after it. Well, y'all got me all off my notes. I done played the piano. I feel like I ought to just sing an invitation right now Close it up. You know, before you and I came to faith in Jesus Christ, you know what we did with people? If they did us wrong, we just gave up on them. If they talked bad about us, you know what we would do? We'd talk bad about them. Before we came to faith in Jesus Christ, if somebody was out there speaking evil against us, sometimes we'd just write them off, we'd treat them unfairly. Not if you're a Christian, we don't act like that anymore. Y- y'all out there? We are radically, completely different than when, how we were before we came to Christ. There is something different in you. And that's what people see in you. And so we need to take advantage of our new family. And we do that in the midst of our trials. People are struggling. People are having difficulty. Stretch yourself out. You say, well, I'm the one having difficulty. Stretch yourself out. Now, the question is, how in the world do we get in the same family? Well, verse 23 tells us, notice your Bible again, you've been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. You know, our first birth into this world came through the seed of a man. However, our second birth was through the seed of God's word. You and I were convinced by the word of God and you and I were conceived by the word of God. Now, check this out. When you were first born into the world, because you were born from a seed which was perishable, you were born to perish. You know my birthday is October the 22nd. That event in my life carries with it a continual effect. I'm getting closer and closer in this flesh to dying. However, when I was born again, I was born by an imperishable seed, the word of God. And the second birth was a one-time event as well. But it carries with it a continual effect. I am getting closer and closer to life eternal and glory with Almighty God. Now Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.16, Though our outer man is decaying, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And Peter quotes it. And let me just say it like this. I was born once, I was born again once. They're both one-time events. You know, I've shared the gospel with people and asked them if they prayed to receive Jesus. Sometimes they'll tell me, yeah, I have about 10 or 15 times. I feel like I need to catch up. You know what I mean? What is the deal there? They, they haven't fully grasped the fact that it's a one-time event that carries with it a continual effect. And that's what the Bible teaches. Now, Peter quotes Isaiah in verse 24 to remind us of the difference between a perishable seed and an imperishable seed using the picture of plant life. So you see your Bible there. He says, for all flesh is like grass, all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this was the word that was preached to you. So you were brought into the family by the word of God you heard the word and in obedience to the word through faith and repentance you were set aside for the divine purpose of doing what preacher of loving your new family (laughs) great now i want to do this let's just do this all right this is going to be a little exercise it will involve your neck all right i want you to just look around for a moment look around at all these people in the church look at them look at them eyeball to eyeball check them out ain't they pretty some of y'all ain't moving just look look at them. Now now look back at me. All those people you just saw, if they know the Lord and you know the Lord, that's your family. Now let me give you a quick observation. This is what I began to think as I was studying uh, this passage of scripture. When you were first born by the imperishable seed of man, you immediately began to get older. Your outward man that is your flesh, the part we're all looking at this morning, the part you had problem with this morning before you came to church. It shows the effect of AIDS, right? People begin to wrinkle up. Their hair changes color. Uh, their hair falls out. They start to sag. They show signs. Listen, outward signs that they are getting old. I just thought I'd encourage y'all. Y'all feel better about yourself now? Um, no, that's the truth. Now, if that's true of the outward man, our fleshly bodies, then what should be true of our inward man? Oh, listen to you, Pastor. Our inward man should show a continual progression as well. Whereas in our flesh we grow in age, in our souls we should be growing in our love toward one another. True conversion. Genuine conversion is evidenced in a continual growth in your love toward the family of God. The longer you have been a Christian, the more love you should be displaying toward the family of God. Jesus says in John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John writes in 1 John 2 and 3, By this we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep his commandments. Now what are his commandments? John tells us. He says this is his commandments, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and, listen, we love one another just as he commanded us. So we would put it to you you this way, and I pray you're following because this is just plain good. Trials are designed to strengthen our faith. Y'all with me? Say yes. So whenever you have a trial in your life, Here's what happens when a trial comes. Let me see if I can just kind of picture it for you. When a trial comes, it actually stretches you out before God in prayer. Y'all listening? Because the heat of the trial comes, and, and all you can do is just grab hold of God in prayer, grab hold of the Lord Jesus in his word, and begin to just seek him. And while you're doing that, in the midst of the trial, you are growing strong in your faith. But here's what's wild. The more you grow in your faith the more evidence it produces. So what is the evidence that I'm down here stretched out growing in my faith? What's the evidence of my faith? It's love toward one another. Are y'all out there? So here's the deal. Whenever you face a trial, the trial's not only there just to strengthen your faith, the trial is actually to get you postured so that you can better love one another. Man, I love y'all. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So, he, so, so the trials that I'm facing in this particular day are not just for me and the Lord. They're for me, the Lord, and you. Trials you're facing, same thing. They're for everybody. And here, here's the deal. If you respond biblically to your trial, you will find yourself stretched out to love people in this church. But if you respond unbiblically, you will not be stretched out to love people. Y'all with me? It's just wild. It's like whenever you go through a trial, God's just producing stuff in you. I mean, he's doing stuff we don't even know about. It's just crazy. The unseen hand of God is already at work in your life. Some of you guys, man, you're going through a difficulty in your life. You've got financial problems. You've got physical problems. And you're down on your face going, Lord, why in the world is this happening? And in the midst of all that, God's trying to teach you to trust him, trust him, trust him. And as you get up out of your time alone with the Lord with full trust and confidence in him, the spirit of God takes control of your life. And all of a sudden, you start loving people. Say, how does that work? I ain't got a clue. But I I do know this, that's how people know we are disciples of Jesus, because we love each other. (laughs) So we take advantage of our new family. You got issues? I got them too. You come in here, you find people, and you love on them. You pray for them, you encourage the fire out of them. You lift them up, you edify them. You build them up with your words. That's what we do, because look at the preacher, we are Christian. That's what we do. So we take advantage of our new family. Let me give you the Second one here, I, I almost passed out. I think I yelled too loud. My neck feels a little swole. Y'all pray for me. That's a trial. But anyway, so uh, I'm sure I'll be able to love you more in the are here in a moment. Number two, take advantage of your new title as a prison warden. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, you're actually a prison warden. I know you probably didn't know that, but you're fixing to find out how. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, therefore, and he's referring back to what he's already said. It's almost as if Peter's saying, hey, since you've been born again by God's enduring, imperishable word and purified for fervent love toward one another, here's what you need to do. Chapter 2, verse 1, putting aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Now, the phrase there, putting aside, is the same terminology used in the Greek culture to describe keeping someone in prison is that interesting? So, there are some outlaws from your old way of thinking and living that you cannot allow to escape. And these outlaws will hinder your ability to fervently love the family of God. Now, who are the outlaws? Outlaw number one is Mickey Malice. Y'all all right? I, uh, I'm going to give them all gangster names this morning. Mickey Malice. Mickey Malice likes to get you thinking hateful towards other people. If you let Mickey out, he'll talk you into turning your back on people in the family of God. He'll get you stirring up difficulties within the family of God as well. So don't let him out of prison. Outlaw number two is Danny Deceit. Danny Deceit wants you to commit treason among your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. When somebody comes to you in confidence and hadn't that happened to you before? They come to you in the church and they say, hey, I want to share something with you. They're not gossiping, but they're sharing something that God's doing in their heart. They're facing a trial and they say, come here, i got to talk to somebody. I'm going to share this to you in confidence. You know what they're asking you to do? They're asking you to vault in your brain what they're about to share with you. But Danny Deceit wants you to be deceitful and say, of course I'll keep that in the vault. Of course I won't share that. But you take it and then you run and you share it with other people. That is not displaying love. It's committing treachery. It's gossip. It's dandy deceit. Don't let him out. Outlaw number three is hairy hypocrisy. Hair wants to get out and get you to go back on your commitment to the family of God. He wants you to claim with your words that you love the family, but then not display love with your presence, your encouragement, and with your service. Now I don't mean to be ugly this morning, but I uh, was sharing the gospel with somebody a couple of weeks ago, and asked them where they attend church. They don't attend church. They, they, they uh, on Sunday mornings they get along with the Lord in the woods. Yeah, there's some of y'all like that. I can see it in your face. But uh, said so I get along with the Lord in the woods. I don't have to go to church to worship, and um, I just get out there with Him and just have a wonderful time. I get to see the, you know the. Scenery, the clouds, and the mountains, and, and the deer. So I just get out there with him. Can, can I just say something to you, real quick? Uh, if you love God, you'll love what God loves. God loved the church so much, He sent Jesus to shed His blood for. Her. So don't claim to love God, but then reject His people. That's hypocritical. Well, I didn't say that in the first service, so I don't know what that was for. But, um. but, but here's the thing, too. Well, let's just leave Harry, the hypocr- hypocrite. All right, let's go on outlaw number four, Eddie Envy. Eddie wants to get out and get you looking at everybody else in the family of God. You know, Eddie, whispering in your ear see him, he's got more money and prestige than you do. See her, she's got it all together. Don't you wish you were like him? Don't you wish you were like her? See, Eddie wants to fill you up with jealousy over another person within the family so that you can't have a real relationship with them. And that's what the enemy wants to do. And I didn't think about this in early service either. This, I'll tell you, I like preaching twice. <laughs> it grows. The gospel of Jesus flows through Relationships. Y'all with me? Say yes. I'm going I'm to I'm give you a picture here. So the gospel is going through relationships. So what the enemy wants to do in the family of God is mess up the relationships that you and I have with one another. Because if he can mess up our relationships, he can hinder the outflow of the gospel. And so that's what ends up happening. All these boys get out, and they're, you know, the ultimate aim of the devil is just to hush our mouth of the gospel. So we get envious of people. And it messes us up. Let me give you the outlaw number five. I gotta go here. Sammy slander. Sammy wants you uh, basically to badmouth other people. He wants you to have conversations with others about people in the family of God. He wants others to think less of someone after you talk about them. So, and I I put myself in here just because I think this is kind of funny, but you know, somebody may say, Did you hear about the new pastor? Did you hear what he did? Did you hear what he's doing? Now that hadn't happened yet. I just thought I'd throw that out there so it doesn't. But uh, <laughs> did you see that person in the choir? Last I heard, they were having troubles in their family. So you pull somebody over. Did you see them up there in the choir? They're saying, you know what I heard? I heard they had some issues with, you know, their, their marriage is all messed up. You know what you just did? You slandered those people. Because you, per- you caused the person you were speaking with to look down on the person who was up there in the choir. Don't you let Sammy out. <laughs> Keep him in jail because you're a prison warden. Y'all with me? Say amen. I got one more truth. Some of y'all need to, you know, let your face know I'm still preaching. All right, here we go. Number three, you need to take advantage of the Word of God. Chapter two, verses two through three, the Bible says, like newborn babies, long for pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you've tasted the kindness of the Lord. So it was the Word of God that calls you to be born again, but it is the Word of God that will cause you to grow in your faith. This goes right back to our major push for the year in the I Challenge. I challenge you to spend time in the Word of God on a daily basis. Why? Simple reason. Because it is the Word of God that causes you to grow in your salvation. And what does it mean to grow in your salvation? What does it look like? Peter already said you're saved for a purpose. Peter already said you're saved for the purpose of loving one another. Therefore, we are born again into the family of God, and we grow by the Word of God so that we can grow. Greater love one another in the family of God. <laughs> that's like, you know, when it, it, it's kind of a funny joke. I don't think it's all that funny, but uh, when you're in, in seminary and stuff, you're running into people and they're talking about going into the ministry and, we, you know, we'll start talking to each other. So tell me, how, how's ministry going? So they look at you, well, I'll tell you what, ministry would be great if it weren't for the people. <laughs> now that's funny, but that is so ungodly. Y'all feel bad for laughing now, don't you? But it really is. Look, if it weren't for the people, it wouldn't be any ministry. <laughs> so we gotta love the people. You uh, here's the deal: you are the bride of Christ. Why would I slander you? Uh, why would I say things about you that are untrue? Why would I try to undercut you? Why would I try to be ugly to you? Do I really want to talk about Jesus' bride? <laughs> Or do I want to serve his bride? Do I want to love his bride fervently? Don't talk about my wife. Y'all all right? Six foot four pretzel, I'll put you up, understand? <laughs> and then I'll love you after that because you're part of the family of God. I know we all do. <laughs> oh, y'all are crazy. Let's go. Here, here, let me. Yeah, I need to finish this. Let me finish this thing up. I really want to, I want to break it down now. You know, you got at the beginning of the message. Nate Ruffin, we are Marshall. Peter, we are Christian. Now, listen, as we face trials, as we suffer for our walks with the Lord, we need each other here at Concord. We should bend over backwards to express love within this family. And as new converts come into this family, we need to love them fervently. Listen, when new people come to faith in Jesus Christ, you ought to, I mean, stretch out the love of man. If we don't love the ones God sends us, he might not send us anymore. But we also need to imprison the outlaw attitudes that would hinder us from loving each other. And together we grow in our love through feeding on the word of God. And so we love one another because, look, we are Concord Baptist Church. And we, we imprison our own outlaw attitudes. Why? Because we are Concord. And we grow in our love for one another by the word of God. Why? Because we are Concord. That's what we do. So when people travel by this church and we're deeply in love with each other, as a body of believers, I think we'll be overwhelmed because God, through our love, will begin to draw people into this worship center. Can it, let me let me i'm gonna close it for real i know i said that like four times but let me i do that and it won't bother me anymore i remember when i was uh at the church i pastored beforehand before you guys for you loving people i love y'all i uh was in there and all of a sudden our church started loving each other and this was this is wild people come into our congregation i'd meet them out in the foyer so well, how you doing I Said we great i said how, how'd you hear about us We don't know. Uh, We've been driving past this church for years, but all of a sudden we just felt drawn to come up here. What in the world is that? That's the people loving each other. Wouldn't it be, y'all invite people to church. Y'all listening to me? But wouldn't it be something else if people just stumbled in our door? And they say, I don't even know why I'm here. I just felt drawn. Uh, what, What does the Bible say? Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will I draw all people to myself. That's what he does. Let's pray. Father.